Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sportsdrink. Spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. (laughs) What's up, guys? Back once again. I mean, we had a failed attempt last night for the... Cincinnati Bengal preview of this uh, Super Bowl preview that we're trying to do here. But uh, technical difficulties have been taken care of this time. We will have a preview with Jake Ellenbogen from the Downtown Rams podcast to preview the L.A. Rams and their journey to Super Bowl uh, 56 uh, this coming Sunday. And, um, you know, I'm happy to actually pull it off uh, this time because we missed a lot of good stuff with the with with Kyle but um you know we'll see I'm planning on having the winner back next week to kind of review the game so maybe we'll be able to make it up to Kyle next week by um having him on to uh review the Bengals Super Bowl victory uh next week so if you want to hear that then root for the Bengals uh on Sunday so you know I'm not going to take up a lot of your time because uh jake and i we covered quite a bit man not only did we talk about the rams we talked about the league in general uh, a lot during the conversation and how how crazy the race was in the afc where basically every, it seemed like every team in the conference had its chance to be the number one seed and you never really knew who was going to come out uh of that uh, out of that conference it was appropriate that we got the postseason that we did with the way that the season went you know, every one of these these one seeds or whatever had that loss. They couldn't quite explain, you know, and it just uh, it was it was fitting that we we kind of got this free for all uh, in the postseason where, you know, the one seed goes down early and it's, you know, the Bengals who were the four seed then end up making the uh, making the Super Bowl. So um, we talk about that and, and a whole lot more. So I'll just go ahead and and jump right into it. This is the Super Bowl preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground for the NFC Championship, NFC Champion LA Rams. So let's get to it. Okay, so let's try this one again after the failed attempt with the with Kyle Phelps and the Cincinnati Bengals last night. Technical difficulties have been taken care of, so uh, unfortunately we won't be able to you know, rehash the conversation with Kyle, or at least not yet anyway. But we're moving on to the Rams, and here to help us preview the NFC champion, LA Rams, from the Downtown Rams podcast, Jake Ellenbogen. Jake, how we doing, man? I'm great. You know, thank you so much for having me again. I really enjoyed our last conversation, and 
just, you know, how we it's had some back and forth, actually a lot of back and forth via the uh, DMs on Twitter. Right. So uh, really appreciate you having me on again. Not a problem, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Um, you know, in, in the preseason, I actually predicted that the Rams would be here. Um, and they spent a little bit of time during, I'd say, around the middle of the season making me look bad um, by not looking like that team that should be representing the NFC uh, in the Super Bowl. Thankfully, they kind of snapped out of it there towards the end of the season and then again uh, in the postseason, uh, first by annihilating the Cardinals, then going into Tampa and beating Brady and uh, basically retiring him. That's got to feel good. And then... Uh, you know, being the first team to uh, win the Nash- the NFC Championship in the site of the Super Bowl, one-upping what Tampa did last year. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, it, it, you know, it, this whole season has been a whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, you know, where it almost feels like it's been like three seasons in one. I mean, I remember early on, we are talking about the Sean Jackson and how he's going to take the top off the defenses and, you see Matthew Stafford, obviously, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the Bears game. And, and obviously, you know very well, you know, he's, he's throwing bombs down the field of Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup and the offense. You know, people are saying after that Sunday Night Football game, oh, this team looks unbelievable. Like, who's going to beat this team? Yeah. And then, you know, we see not long after that, you know, the Colts game. They, they, they struggle a little bit to, to seal the deal, finish it. They do end up winning the game in Indy. They beat Tampa. Then they lose to the Cardinals. You know, it's, it's a weird year, right? And then in the middle of the year, they have that, that losing streak, like you mentioned. I, uh, I actually, for the first time in, I think, ever, I mean, maybe at one point I had the Rams winning the Super Bowl. I can't really remember. But I did pick them to win the Super Bowl this year against the Chargers. It was obviously wrong about the Chargers being there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody could have seen the Bengals uh, before the season. But, no. uh, you know, I, I just think with the Rams, you know, th- this is always what it was supposed to be. It was just a matter of them, you know, going through that top three game losing streak. How do you respond? And w- when you you see what they were able to do, you know, making those adjustments, tightening up the defense, uh, you know, using 12 and 13 personnel groupings to kind of mix and match things on the offense, uh, being able to, to win despite the fact you lost such a key member of that offense, the best blocking wide receiver of that offense, believe it or not, Robert Woods, going out and getting Odell, making the crazy trade for Von Miller and just, you know, getting it all to work. And, uh, you know, I just feel like it's, it's a testament to the coaching staff and obviously the players, but, um, you know, they, they've really had to earn this. This was not gifted to them by any stretch. Right. And, and I really also kind of give credit to, to Les Snead because he really dug his heels in. He did everything that he could to put this team in a position to be successful, going out and getting Odell Beckham, even though, you know, basically his 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 exits from Cleveland and New York. It's like, why would you want to bring this guy in? Obviously, that's the outside view and everything, because I've heard he's been nothing but a success in L.A. He's a great teammate and uh, and everything like that. And then also, you know, less need in, in his allergy to draft picks, just giving away more draft picks to bring in uh, Von Miller. It's like he really dug his heels in the, to, you know, to really put these guys in the best space. And it was just a matter of, you know, McVay coaching these guys up and getting them, getting the results uh, on the field. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been awesome, you know, being able to be the team, you know, you're, you know, when you're a fan of a team or you cover a team where they're always making news and it's like, you're not even reading at this point when you get that notification on your phone that says breaking 
and then you see the player, but you read past who acquired the player. Yeah. Because you almost always assume it's going to be the Rams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a good feeling. I yeah. mean, you're sitting there, you know, whether you're you're watching Netflix or eating ice cream or you're, you know, maybe not driving in the car. You don't want to, you know, obviously look at your phone while you're driving. But, you know, you could be busy and all of a sudden, you know, the Rams are making moves. You know, and they got the Von Miller move. I remember just jumping on. Uh, you know, my live stream and being able to talk about that, the Odell move, I kind of predicted beforehand, but the Von Miller move came out of nowhere to me. I was not aware that was going to happen. And, you know, I think it's just, it, it's just a nonstop desire to continue to try and, and put pieces together and win. And, and what we found is that, you know, people will say, well, the, the Rams didn't need to go out and get Von Miller and Odell, but everything they've done has got you to this point. They lost, uh, or, you know, they, they lost that week 18 game. They dominated the Cardinals 134 to 11 in the wild card round. The divisional round, they beat uh, Tampa by three and they beat San Francisco by three. So when you look at it, they have had to make these moves to get to this point. And sometimes that's the case. And it kind of goes to show you that one, no lead is safe in this day and age. And two, you can never have enough pass rushers. You can never have enough of anything in this league because there's constantly going to be injuries. I mean, Tyler Higby's likely not going to play. They're starting a UDFA out of Mizzou that hardly anybody knew coming into this game. And Kendall Blanton, a big fan of his, but you know, a lot of people don't know who he is. And, you know, I think it's a credit to the coaching staff for developing guys like that, being able to have next man up, but at the same time going out and be able to acquire an Odell Beckham, you, you know, that to me is a no brainer. And I think, you know, because Les Snead is not afraid to make those moves and because, you know, you have a guy like Sean McVay that has such a great reputation around the league, they're able to get these guys to come to L.A. And other teams, eventually, you would, you'd have to assume after this Super Bowl, if they win, you'd have to assume a lot of these teams are eventually going to be like, all right, all right, Les, we get it. We're going to copy you. There, there's no other way. You, you've, you've cracked the code. You have it. We're going to start doing what you do. But, I mean, at the same time, you have to realize that copying what the Rams are doing is not, a, you know, a get-rich-quick you know, type of deal. Right. You know, it, it's not one of those. It's really difficult because the Rams essentially haven't drafted since Jared Goff was their first-round pick, mm-hmm. first overall pick, um, and they traded up to get him. That was with a different head coach. Sean McVay has never picked in the first round before, and he's totally fine with that. And when you look at other teams that they were to try to do that, they don't have as great, I'm not saying nobody has as great of a, a training staff or, you know, a, uh, a recruiting staff or, you know, anything like that uh, to the Rams, but the, the coaching staff, the Rams have does not get enough credit for developing these players. And the scouting department does not get enough credit for finding these players. And you have to do it all in order to be successful using this NBA win now trade model that the Rams have been using. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it also shows, like I was talking about with, with Les Need, it shows a lot of faith in McVay that if he brings these guys in, McVay will be able to, you know, put these guys in a, in a spot for this whole thing to work. Because like, like I mentioned before, you know, Odell Beckham's reputation was not good as far as, you know, uh, you know, forcing his way out of, basically out of forcing his way out of New York and Cleveland. You know, if, if, if all things being equal, he'd still be a giant as far as that organization is concerned, but he just made things so toxic they had to uh, let him go and they traded him away to Cleveland. And, 
you know, things being what they were with Baker Mayfield this year and all that kind of stuff, kind of forcing his way out there uh, as well. He kind of forced these organizations to to let him go. Les Need throwing caution to the wind, brings the guy in, or maybe he knew something the rest of us didn't or, you know, has the the lucky uh, access that the rest of us don't to know that Odell Beckham is is better than the reputation that he's forged in the public eye. And then the Von Miller thing, um, you know, it was people kind of worried about, you know, which Von Miller are you getting? Are you are you getting the Super Bowl MVP Von Miller that, you know, is one of the best pass rushers in the history of this league? Or are you getting the, you know, somewhat past his prime uh, guy that was, you know, was injured and missed a lot of time last year and uh, and things like that. And that has worked out as uh, or worked out as well. And, you know, that that he can coach these guys that you can work with the mid to late round draft choices that you do end up, you know, taking and everything and getting those guys coached up to the level that they can be productive if and when they're needed. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's great with Odell. You know, this story is awesome because I've been a believer that Odell has always been unfairly treated, mm-hmm. um, you know, before long before he went to the Rams. Just like I, I, this is why this season has been so great for me, despite the fact, you know, the team that I cover and the team that is playing for a Super Bowl title uh, for the second time in four years, which obviously is very nice. Yeah. Um, this season just feels different because Stafford's a guy I wanted five years ago. Odell is a guy that I've wanted for years, you know, and these are two guys that have been held to different standards. You know, Stafford, for whatever reason, has always been called Stat Padford. He has never been given the benefit of the doubt. He's never been given context to his 0-3 playoff record. Now, all of a sudden, he's looking at potentially going 4-3 and just in one off, you know, one playoff run. Um, you know, and then you have Odell, who he has that catch and, you know, the buzz about him goes crazy and, He's got this hairdo that people are all of a sudden copying. You're seeing it in every sport. And he just becomes this this icon, right? And it's like overnight. And, you know, then I, I think he got a little bit full of himself, but that's like rookie year type deal. But he continued to play at that high level. And what ended up happening is he suffers an ankle injury. And then, you know, you started to see the Giants themselves started to fall off, even after they gave him the $20 million per year contract. They didn't want him. So then they trade him to Cleveland, who I don't even know if Cleveland truly wanted him because I don't know what Cleveland is really trying to overcome or what they're trying to do or what they're trying to accomplish. But they get him, and then all of a sudden now you have Cleveland Browns fans when he gets hurt saying, wow, this team's better when Odell is in the offense. So he doesn't feel wanted either place. And so now here he is as being labeled as diva and this locker room cancer and all this. And even though, like, you know, Baker Mayfield was the issue there. I think we all know that now. Yeah. Uh, you know, he comes to the Rams, and you're thinking, oh, well, this guy's a cancer. This guy is a diva. This guy is going to be, I want the ball. Me, me, me. But he comes in here. He buys into the culture. You know, this is, this is somebody, he is not what he used to be. He can get there. He can get back to that. But he doesn't know this offense the way Cup does. You know, give him a full off season. And we'll see, but with with Odell, you know, what he's been able to do sliding in here, keep in mind initially he was supposed to be the fourth guy with Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, and Cup. Robert Woods suffers a freak torn ACL in practice the day of his signing, and he has to step in and literally plays without any sort of practice reps or anything. He plays in their first game since acquiring him on Monday night. And 
they lose and then they lose again. So he's part of that losing streak. And, you know, he buys into the culture. He steps up his game. He just had arguably his best game when he needed to in the NFC title. Uh, and this is somebody who only, you know, he was known as the 428 guy. You know, four catches, 28 yards with the Giants last time he was in the playoffs. He never played in Cleveland because he got hurt. Now all of a sudden, all of this talk about OBJ being a cancer, OBJ holding teams back, OBJ just being toxic and not being a team player. All I've heard is that this guy is 100% buying into the culture. He's, he was all about Cooper Cup getting the record, did not ask for targets. Meanwhile, earlier in the year, Deshaun Jackson asked out of a team that was literally 7-1 and one because he wasn't getting targets. It, it just is incredible to me. And this is exactly what I mean, and, and this is why I'm happy for a guy like Odell, who, you know, maybe the maybe he was a little bit, you know, annoyed with, with the targets and, and all of that in Cleveland. But I think he was, you know, was justifiable. Um, but it was also overblown, and he's showing you right now that, you know, he is a team player, that the teammates love him, and, you know, Sean McFay swears by him. I think he'll be back next year, but this is another thing for him. This is his moment. And he has a chance to, I think he's kind of a, you know, a low-key dark horse Super Bowl MVP uh, here. You know, I think he's got a chance to really show out in front of everyone. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that, um, you know, you, you're going to keep your eye on when Sunday rolls uh, around. And, and real quick before we move forward, I wanted to go back and talk about the, you know, the comment you made about people trying to copycat the, the less need method, uh, if you will. I'm sure that we will see that some people taking some big steps and trying to bring some people in that can help the teams uh, win now. Um, I don't think it will. I think you even mentioned this as well. I don't think it will be successful for everyone that uh, that tries to do this or that will basically mortgage their future to try to to win in 2022 uh, kind of thing. Because, like you mentioned, you have to have everything kind of in sync with with each other the way the Rams appear to, like you mentioned, the scouting department, the, you know, the training department, the coaching uh, and all that kind of stuff, everybody buying in everybody, every, every phase of that being successful to make this work. Um, you kind of have that with those other teams. And, you know, I'm sure that other organizations will try something. I don't know if they will be as extreme as the Rams where we don't have a first round pick till 2037 or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I think that you'll probably see some people taking some heavy swings to, to see if the less need method, if you will, will, uh, will bring them, uh, that same, uh, success. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at after the Super Bowl, you know, regardless if the Rams win or lose, I, I feel like you're coming to a crossroads here where the AFC is like if you follow the NBA, it's essentially like the West when LeBron went to the Lakers. I mean, everybody is in the AFC now, quarterback-wise. And then you look at the NFC, and you're like, this is literally the East after LeBron went to the the Lakers. You know, you're you're looking at all these quarterbacks, and you're like, Matthew Stafford, you know, as much as I love the guy, he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFC next year if Rodgers goes the AFC like it sounds like he will right you know it also opens up the door for a team like the Bears opens up a door for a team like Detroit and the Mm -hmm. Vikings it opens up a door for teams like the Panthers and the Falcons and the Saints all these teams now have a shot because there's not a Rodgers anymore there's not a Brady and as great as Stafford is and the Rams they look like an absolute terror 
you know, there's still enough room for a team to be in that tier, a team to be a number two seed, a team to be a number one seed, maybe, if, you know, you win enough games. And, uh, you know, I just don't feel like that's being talked about enough. I mean, you know, I think the, the incredible thing is if you're the Rams next year, you have a first place schedule, but you have most of your, your team ready to go. And that first place schedule looks a lot weaker with Rodgers out of Green Bay. But you would still play regardless if he's there or not. You're playing Green Bay. And now you're playing Tampa and Brady's not there. So it certainly becomes an interesting uh, factor there with that, that first place schedule because those two teams now that you're playing, they're weaker. You beat them. You know, well, you haven't beaten the Packers, but you beat you know Tom Brady twice. You beat him three times over the last two years. You know, so that Buccaneers team doesn't feel that scary all of a sudden, you know. And then you look at, you know, the East and you're like, well, you know, the Cowboys, you could beat the Cowboys. So really right now, the way it looks is because the Rams are probably the favorite next year, other teams are going to try to be that two and the three. Like we had a big three this year with the Rams, the Packers, and the Bucks. We're going to start to see teams make, you know, these moves, make these decisions. And I'll highlight the Bears because when you look at Justin Fields and and what he brings to the table and the way Darnell Mooney played and honestly the way Allen Robinson, you know, played and and it wasn't very good compared to his other years. I know he dealt with some COVID issues and things like that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears try to do something to to try to, you know, shake up that. The time is now. You know, yeah. the, the Packers aren't going to just run roughshod in this division. And I got news for you. I think the Vikings are terrifying now that Zimmer's gone. I think he held them back. You know, I think that they're a candidate there, especially, you know, you have a guy now, Kevin O'Connell, leaving the Rams, that culture, and he's going to the Vikings. I think there's a good chance Kevin O'Connell tries to bring over that same mentality of going out and getting those type of players. And I think people are more than, you know, more often than not, you know, while everyone likes to be a draft nut, me and myself included, they're going to realize, you know, the Rams, if the Rams can get this done, so can we. If we have a good team, you know, and say we could get, you know, a guy like, say, not Jalen Ramsey because he's on the Rams, but a guy like him, mm-hmm. and you're just giving up a first-round pick, maybe I'll do that. You know, and, and I think the proven players, if you can make it work, it, it makes sense. And I mean, you know, you, you see the Bears, they – there's no reason why you look at the Bears and you're like, well, you know, they have a young quarterback, they're rebuilding. I mean, they have Robert Quinn. He, he just had like 19 sacks this year. You know, they, they have guys like that on their team. You know, they have, you know, Mack and they have Hakeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson. You know, you got Jalen Johnson. I mean, they, they have some, some pieces that you can really work with. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if you know, teams like that, uh, you know, go. And I'm really looking at that division because I, I can't stress enough you know, the NFC West to me is a two horse race. I understand, you know, the Cardinals, they, they were, you know, very competitive this year, but I could see them taking a step back and we don't know what the deal is with Kyler. I don't trust Seattle at, at all. I, I don't care if Russell Wilson's there or not. I mean, I really just don't think they're that great. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time to move on from, you know, whatever they're doing. I look at the, the Rams and Niners as, uh, you know, a repeat NFC title because I really do think that what they did with Garoppolo should terrify teams because it really goes to show you if Trey Lance is any bit better than Garoppolo, which I think he is, 
then they have a chance to do some damage. So I think, you know, there's going to be teams vying to be in that, you know, the big three category with the Rams and, and Niners. And, you know, I look at that NFC North and, and just, you know, that ability to get that number one uh, spot in that division, win the division, uh, you know, get a home playoff game. I think that's really key, and I think it really opened the door. Not to say Jordan, you know, Jordan Love is going to be terrible, but I, you just don't get the same feeling Jordan Love, obviously, as you do with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the feeling that he's special. I don't think that he's a bad quarterback because he didn't yeah. necessarily play horribly against the the Chiefs in that one game that where Rodgers didn't play when he had uh, COVID uh, this year. But uh, you know, he's not going to come in and just be the the you know the the light of the NFL the way that that Rodgers. Uh, has been as far as like you know just going out there and dazzling everybody the throws that he makes and you know and all that kind of stuff and you know you're right the the NFC without Brady and especially if Rodgers is gone is absolutely wide open next year um, you know just anybody's spot for the uh, for the taking I mean and and the other thing and it's you know and I think I've talked to you about this before like during the during the summer one you know we're talking about the Rams and what could be uh, in 2021 is like the AFC has always been such a top heavy conference. And obviously that's because of the quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, Brady, uh, when Manning was with the Broncos or the Colts and, uh, and all that kind of stuff, you know, obviously now with Mahomes and, and, and Josh Allen and, and those guys over in the AFC, it feels like it's going to stay that way for a while with, you know, one of yeah. those guys leapfrogging the other, and now Cincinnati with Joe Burrow and, and, and things like like he's, you know, putting himself in that category uh, as well. You're right. On the NFC side, the great quarterbacks are either retiring or possibly leaving town with Rodgers. Poss- you know, if he goes anywhere, he's going to the AFC, like you said. And cause there's no way that Green Bay would be dumb enough to trade him in conference, uh, no matter how good the offer uh, is. You know, Russell Wilson is is still a great quarterback, but not in the same pantheon as he was before. He's not not elite. Maybe it's because of the team around him, but he's not playing on the same level that he was before. So what? What if he goes to the AFC? (laughs) You know, then it's like, well, I mean, you know, who is like that would be insane to me. You know, (laughs) it just and and then if you know Detroit has the second pick, and obviously you know Jacksonville has the first pick. Jacksonville's not picking quarterback. They have Trevor Lawrence. So now it's like, does Detroit pick a quarterback? If they don't, does that also get some over somehow over to the AFC? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like, you know, the AFC could absolutely stack on, up on quarterbacks. And, you know, it, it just, it's kind of funny to me. I think really the only way to counterbalance it is if uh, Rodgers stays in the NFC somehow. Uh, Deshaun Watson figures things out legally and he goes over to the NFC. Maybe the Panthers, like, you know, what was rumored. Um, and then maybe you get a Derek Carr movement to say San Francisco and a weird thing where, you know, they trade Trey Lance or something and he stays in the NFC or something like that. I mean, like, there's not really a ton of avenues because a lot of these quarterbacks are, you know, at these homes and they feel good about it. You know, it's you, you have to feel good. I mean, AFC West, if, if Rodgers goes there, you know, you're all of a sudden Derek Carr's the worst quarterback in that division. That's a nasty division. And then, you know, you look at, you know, the, the AFC East. I mean, if, you know, Mac Jones, I thought was pretty solid this year in his rookie year, I think he'll get better. Um, you know, Zach Wilson showed you, you know, some, you know, brief moments. I mean, I'm not totally sold on him, but if he pans out, then you have Josh Allen and, you know, Mike McDaniel potentially developing, you know, to a tag of Iloa, you know, then all of a sudden, okay, that division has something. And then, 
really, the, you know, the, the AFC North, you know, between Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and then kind of figuring out who's going to be the Browns and, and Steelers quarterback. I know Baker Mayfield's there, but uh, you can pretty much tell I'm not very high on him. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a lot of movement that could go on. And, you know, it, it's really weird how the way it's shaped. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to change because, you know, teams do tend to change the way they draft their styles. I mean, you remember when, you know, the, the Peyton Manning offense for the Denver Broncos, they were so dominant, mm-hmm. the 55 touchdowns, shattering records, they lost. They lose to the Legion of Boom, you know, Seattle Seahawks, and all of a sudden we go through a time where defense wins championships, we don't care as much about the offense, and you see a wave of defensive acquisition. You know, and I feel like if the Rams win this Super Bowl, you know, you might start to see people trying to copy this new trend of going out and just spending a first-rounder. And, you know, I think that when you you see, you know, what the competition is, if you're sitting there and you're the Carolina Panthers and think, man, our defense is really good this year. We have DJ Moore, very talented. We have Christian McCaffrey. You know, we have some weapons here. Uh, you know, maybe if we just added a Deshaun Watson, you know, we might be able to compete. You know, they might make that trade. So I, I think that's definitely something to keep in mind is that, you know, you might see some of these teams reach for the stars. And, you know, even regardless what happens in the Super Bowl for the Bengals, you know, this is a reminder that, hey, the Bengals literally had the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft and are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Anything is really possible in this league. Well, I mean, and, and that's what I was talking to um, to to Kyle Phelps from from the Battle of Ohio podcast last night was that, you know, the fact that they went from picking first overall in 2020 to being the Super Bowl in 2021 with a, what, seven-game improvement or something like that from last year to to this year and, and, and making a run at the Super Bowl that maybe with the new regime and hopefully we have the right guys in place in Chicago now, it certainly sounds like the coaching staff is anti-Matt Nagy, where he was trying to fit players into his scheme as opposed to fitting their scheme to their players, because that's all we're hearing, because they all they met with all the coordinators today, and that's all those guys were talking about, was putting the players in the best position to succeed, and you know we'll find out what our guys are good at, and that's what we'll put out there on the field, as opposed to Nagy. The scheme works, just the players just need to execute it, kind of thing, and then watching us fumble unsuccessfully for the last three years, thinking that if we do have those right guys in place that, you know, maybe it'll be 2023 or that, 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 you know, I'm previewing my team in the Super Bowl and, uh, and things like that. So it it doesn't sound like as far fetched an idea when the team picking first overall a year, literally a year later is in the Super Bowl. So it does give some hope that this thing can happen quickly if the right things all come together. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's wrangle this back into the, to the Rams, and you know, we were talking about you know the way that they you know the favorites from the start, and you know, I, I don't think it was so much concerning the the that they would lose a game here and there, but I thought it was concerning who they were losing to because it seemed like they were able to, aside from like the Tampa win week number three, they were able to basically beat up on the teams that they were supposed to, but when they ran into somebody with some regard. That's the, those are the games that they were losing. When first with Arizona, that was an undefeated matchup between the two teams. And Arizona had their way with the Rams on that one. The you know then of course Tennessee, then again with San Francisco, a big division uh, matchup, and then Green Bay as well to kind of cap off that three game 
losing streak. But it, and it wasn't until the rematch with Arizona that I kind of stopped thinking of the Rams in that way, that they wouldn't be able to find their way to win or they're, they're going to lose when they run into somebody that's as good, if not better, than them because they you know beat up on the Houston, they beat up on Detroit and, and the Giants and, and all those kind of stuff, but they run into an, you know a good team, and that's where they were falling short. It was, it was the Arizona game where I started to you know think opposite uh, of that way that, okay, the Rams might actually be somebody to – you know, they, 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 their, their talent matches their record or their record matches the, the talent. This is somebody that you do need to pay attention to. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think it, it's really easy to, you know, look at a team and just say, well, they, they haven't really beaten anybody good. I mean, yeah. I, I was kind of doing that with the Bills, you know, sure, and I think sure. it, it's, a, it's a good sign and it's kind of a, a good reminder to us, you know, just because a team struggles against, you know, good competition and, and may not have the best record um, against, you know, the better teams, doesn't mean that they necessarily aren't a good team. Right. Like when the Bills, you know, started the season off and they they played a horrible game at home and they lost the Steelers to, you know, they kind of they lost the game where they gave up a touchdown special teams. Um, could have gone either way, but they lost a close game to the Steelers to me. That was a bad loss. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't that the Steelers, you know, because I, I didn't think the Steelers were going to be amazing or anything like that. I thought they'd be pretty good. But I, I expected the Bills to win that game. And that was a, that was a pretty big upset. And, um, you know, just looking at, you know, the loss to Jacksonville, for instance, you know, losing that game, that was not very good. But then they beat the Chiefs, you know, and everyone's like, well, are the Chiefs good? You know, are the Bills good? What is that? You know, whatever. Uh, but they had those those moments during the season. They got absolutely destroyed on the ground by the the you know uh, Patriots and you know inclement weather. Right. And then they came back. They went to Foxborough. They beat up on the Patriots, and then they won, of course, in the playoffs. It just when you know push came to shove, the Bills really came through. And of course, they lost the game against the Chiefs. But I mean, that really came down to a coin flip. If they win that game, I think they're probably playing in Super Bowl Fifty Six. To be honest with you, I do too. Yeah. Uh, but you you know with the Rams it's hey you know you lose to Green Bay you lose to the Titans so those are the two one seeds okay those are good losses because yeah. they're the two one seeds uh, but at the same time you know you want to beat those teams because this is a team like I've said all year that you know hey this is the best team in the league and then they go out and they lose to those teams and people are like I don't know man you might have dropped a gun there uh, but you know I think what it really comes down to is you know when you go to the playoffs and you, you beat Arizona you know. You know, following that loss, tough loss, week eighteen. But you beat Arizona on Monday night on a short week. You go to Tampa. You really dominate Tom Brady in Tampa. That that game wasn't as close as the score made it out to be. They really did everything possible to uh, wrestle victory uh, from the jaws of defeat. But uh, wrestle <laughs> defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. I totally butchered that. But uh, and that's essentially what happened. I mean, four turnovers, none of which were thrown or you know, done by the quarterback, uh, that's just really unheard of. Um, but they still won. So, you know, they beat Tampa once again. Um, Tampa had, I think, the upper hand by being at home, having an extra day's rest, already seeing this team earlier in the season, um, and having, for the first time all season long, having the whole defense back healthy. You know, they're starting defense. You know, and they, they're still able to win and really outplay them. And then the, the 49ers came, you know, 49ers at this point in the season, you know, forget about the 6-0 and record against the Rams the last six times. They're beating teams now like the, the Packers and Dallas Cowboys. 
You know, and now all of a sudden you're like, okay, so this team is not just a really bad matchup for the Rams, but they're hot. Like, they're really hot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to win those games kind of just, you know, shows it's kind of a moot point. You know, sometimes teams in a long season, um, which really the NFL season is, uh, even though there's only 17 games um, and not 162 as opposed to baseball, you know, it is a long season. And when you go through these these bad stretches, I mean, remember, you know the the uh, not the Patriots, but the the Buccaneers. They you know they lose to uh, you know uh, Trevor Simeon. They lose to Taysom Hill. They lose to uh, you know Taylor Heineke. Um, you know it, they they didn't have their fair share of uh, you know great performances either. Um, mm-hmm. You know they didn't play well against the Jets and still somehow you know came away with that win, but. That wasn't a very good performance. And so, you know, it's just kind of, I think it's one of those things where we haven't really seen a team dominate, um, you know, since that that undefeated Patriots team, you know, that level. I mean, you really, you know, it's funny because the Rams were kind of looked at as, well, you know, they're 12 and 5 and they're the fourth seed. Um, they they could have won some of those games, but they lost. And, you know, Stafford's throwing a lot of interceptions. And I don't know about this team. I just feel like they're a little, you know, glitz and glamour and L.A. and all that. But at the same time, twelve and five is tied for the second most uh, wins uh, of the season. So you know, everyone tried to kind of compare this to well, Jared Goff went ten and six with the Rams last year, but in reality, twelve and five this year was just an actual pretty good season. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the the best team was thirteen and four. Yeah, I, I feel like that kind of falls on deaf ears, but they did. And so you know, I just think looking at it, the Rams kind of showed you even though they lost to the Titans, and even though they lost to the Packers, and it looked bad, they did beat the Bucs earlier in the season when the Bucs were healthier, you know? And I, I feel like because of that, they kind of showed you, okay, this team's legit. But they did have some easier games, for sure. And, you know, when it's all said and done, prove it in the playoffs, and that's what they did. Yeah, and I think that's why, to me, the losses were concerning. Is like, they're not bad losses because they're losing to good teams. It's just that these are the teams you're going to see in the postseason, and you're not beating them. You know, I think that's that's why it was more concerning to me that they that they would lose to San Francisco, the first loss, not the second one. That they would lose to Green Bay. Uh, you know, even though that game was in Lambeau uh, and everything. You know, l- losing to Arizona earlier on in, in the in the season. That's why I say I flipped on it when they beat Arizona in uh, Arizona. Um, it was just that these are the teams you're going to run into in the playoffs, and um, you know you're having difficulty against them. You're losing these these football games. You're winning the games that you're supposed to. That's great, but when you when you run into somebody that you're probably going to see again in the postseason, those are the games that are getting away from you. And that's why I was concerned that uh, my preseason choice was going to turn against me because you know <laughs> I had no doubt they were going to make the postseason because the a- the NFC West was a hot division all year long. So I had no, no, no doubts that they would make the postseason. It's just that how deep are they going to get when, you know, these are the teams that they're going to run into and they can't beat them or weren't beating them, not can't, but weren't beating them. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, what, what do you make of it? Yeah. You know? Um, but no, I mean, I, I agree with you. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, last year they, they win in the wild card round and, you know, despite Jerry Goff um, not being 100%, despite starting John Wolford, having the intent to start him regardless of the injury, 
Jared Goff having to come in with nine fingers available right. and win that game. Yeah. And then, you know, the Packers game, divisional round, you know, you have the number one defense, but Aaron Donald is really banged up, plays, you know, 30% healthy. Cooper Cup doesn't play. He's inactive. And so you really kind of felt the brunt of that where you're like, all right, I, I Goff had a, a, a valiant effort, but this team really needs full 100% Donald to put some pressure on Rodgers. And, you know, he wasn't available. So they, they weren't able to do it. But then you see this year and you're like, all right, well, I don't know if they're better than last year aside from quarterback. Like for the most part, last year's defense was better, but they really became last year's defense uh, in the postseason almost. I mean, you start to see that tenacity come and you're like, okay, all right, this, this team definitely can make a run for it. But, you know, it's you don't know until you see the playoffs. You, you don't know how a team's going to perform. You don't know what's going to happen. You just have to assume, okay, good things will happen, hopefully. And uh, that Sean McVay and, and the coaching staff will get things right. And You know, obviously they did well enough to get to the Super Bowl, but Sean McVay's been here before. It's time to win the thing. Yeah, so let's talk about this this playoff run. We've kind of been talking a, a little bit about it, you know, um, uh, you know, off to the side a little bit. But let's talk directly about these games. Now, if there was a team that I was worried about in – the first round as far as like not living up to expect it was the Rams and not because of their record or anything like that it was because they were playing the Cardinals and I know that they had beaten the Cardinals before but the Cardinals were eight and one on the road and they were playing the Rams on the road I was like you know this could be trouble if the Cardinals show up the way that they did on the road and and, and you know or at least perform on the road the way they have all season long then uh you know the Rams could be set up for for an early exit and um, that was that could not oh, be yeah. further from the truth from the game that we actually saw because it was thirty four to eleven and there was that game wasn't even that close. I mean the the Rams annihilated the the Cardinals and and it was you know all much to do about nothing as far as like the concerns about the the Cardinals being the road warriors and 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 all that kind of stuff and and beating the Rams uh, again. Uh, you know, it, it and it didn't take long into the game for me to figure that one out. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> that was a fun <laughs> game to watch. Um, I'm not even going to hold back on that one. That was to see that. You know, forget about the the Cardinals fans in my mentions telling me they're they're you know for no reason at all, just because it seems like the most unlikely thing. They're going to get hot and win a bunch of games and go to the Super Bowl and win. Um, forget about all of that. It was just fun to see this team, you know, this defense come together in a way that really, you know, the last time they played Kyler, they got, you know, obviously the best of him and they won that game. So that game was closer than it should have been. The the first game, you know, Kyler Murray and his mobility just had this defense in the game. So it was just really a culmination of all the hard work that Raheem Morris put in to really make sure to tighten up the defense, make adjustments, and ultimately, you know, have the one common goal of winning a Super Bowl and turning this defense into, you know, close to what it was last year. And I think he's just done a damn good job. And that was really their coming out party. You know, you're talking about Marquise Copeland, a UDFA out of Cincinnati who's been on the roster for, what, two years? And, you know, he comes in and, you know, a, a rotational guy, you know, in the trenches, and he gets an interception on Kyler Murray. And, you know, you had the pick stick from David Long. It just, these guys that, yeah, I mean, I know, and maybe you know, but it, most people don't, you mm-hmm. know. And it just, it's just, it's like everyone's having fun. Everyone's playing collectively. 
it was funny watching the next day how the mainstream media was trying to say that, you know, well, Stafford, uh, you know, doesn't have the, the trust, uh, you know, from Sean McVay. It's like, no, no, no. Stafford was just so efficient that he didn't need to throw 50 times this game, <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, it was definitely a fun game to watch. And I totally agree. You know, when they, they started off, you could just tell that this was different. You know, they're mm-hmm. playing at home. It, I, I didn't care about the road thing, but on top of it, you know what was crazy? The really good teams this year were all really good on the road. Yeah. 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 I noticed that. So you know, the, I think the Rams were eight and two on the road actually this year. Including the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. You know, you, you figure that would have been more of a thing last year with no crowds, therefore no crowd noise and, or anything exactly. like that to be able to factor in. But here the fans are, are back and being noisy and disruptive as, as fan bases can be. And you had teams winning more games on the road than you did at home, which was kind of uh, weird. But um, speaking of road wins, you go to Tampa uh, in the divisional round. And I will confess that uh, with the way that Tampa, or excuse me, the, the Rams jumped out in front of Tampa uh, and everything, I actually fell asleep watching this game. <laughs> and woke up to find out that the game was tied. I'm like, what? What? Because it was like 27 to 10 or something like that when I fell asleep. It was the game was over, in my opinion. It was like the Rams are, you know, steamrolling the, the Buccaneers here. Not that I didn't think Brady was capable of bringing the team back or anything. I just thought the Rams were playing too well for that to happen, only to find out that, like you mentioned, with the turnovers and everything, you're basically letting them back into the game, trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, as you stated uh, before. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, I was like, I came back into it um, to find, you know, like basically I, I, you know, snapped back out of it just in time for um, for Cooper Cup to some, for some reason to be wide open down the middle of the field for a 40-something yard gain to put them in field goal range to, to win it uh, just like that. You know, it was like it, it, I missed the best part of the game. I was watching the part where the Rams were having their way with Tampa and it was going to be another blowout, kind of like wild card weekend, which aside from two of the games, the rest were, you know, boring blowout games uh, and everything. And I was like, oh, well, this is just going to be another blowout, I guess. The Rams have just got Tampa's number because they beat them earlier in the year. Uh, as well, and it's like, oh, I missed the part where the where the Buccaneers made a football game out of it, and I was just you know there at the end to 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 watch the the Rams kind of put it all to bed. Yeah, I, I mean that that game was just uh, I, it was very much Brady, you know. Uh, it, it seems like for whatever reason, it, it's not to say that you know luck takes away anything of his skill, but you know what I mean. Yes. The ball always seems to bounce towards the side that Brady is, is on, the sideline he is on. Uh, the way that Cooper Cup fumble went down, I mean, I, I mean that was not that was against the laws of physics. Come on, man, the, that <laughs> ball should have gone out of bounds. And and Cup doesn't fumble, so you know that was also that. And then they have the Cam Akers fumbles; those were somewhat realistic, except there was a freak one that saved Brady out of his interception uh, right before the half. They they could have been off by a little bit more, and then. Yeah. Uh, you know, the crazy snap where I mean, Matthew Stafford is, is not ready and, and they just they snap it over his head. And it's like, I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's right after the Von Miller fumble. So uh, it's just it, it is crazy to me. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way knowing yeah. the result. I just uh, it was fun. Brady has really torn apart the Rams 
Um, you know, and not even he hasn't played that well in either Super Bowl that he beat the Rams in, but he beat them in two Super Bowls. You know, he you know, and, and furthermore, winning that first Super Bowl ended the greatest show on turf. You know, potential dynasty. So, um, and kind of instilled the you know the Patriots as the dynasty. So, yeah, you know, it, he's he's inflicted a lot of pain on Rams fans, <laughs> uh, on me, uh, on the Rams organization. So, was it nice for Matthew Stafford who was. You know, everyone was saying couldn't win the big game to knock off everyone's goat um, and, and, you know, force him into retirement, no less. Yeah. Yeah, it was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created Internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. Uh, And then we go to the NFC Championship game, which was the, uh, uh, you know, another rematch with the 49ers. Uh, having gotten swept in the the regular season, and obviously people making a big deal about you know San Francisco being six and zero in the last six matchups, the whole thing about you know is McVay in his head still Shanahan's assistant or his gopher or whatever he was for him in Washington uh, back in the day is is Shanahan in McVay's head because he can't seem to get over the hump against them uh, and everything, and then what we got was you know the 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 the, the the main event of this amazing playoff postseason that we've had, you know, the, the we didn't have as many good games in the wild card round, but you had two good games in Cincy and, and Vegas, and then Dallas and San Francisco, and then the the, the divisional round was batshit insane, just crazy oh, good. Yeah. How awesome those games were, and and then of course the championship round. Uh, was more of the same with Cincy and KC going to overtime and Cincy coming back on them uh, the way they did. And then you guys coming down to the to the wire. And, of course, it's Aaron Donald that makes the play that forces the interception that wins the ball game and uh, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just an insane uh, uh, insane game in, in capping off a, a, a crazy postseason. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, it's that, you know, the, the divisional round was just something we all needed. Yeah. You know, I really feel like the wild card round was kind of like, can we end the experiment of the, the seventh seed? I mean, really. It's, I, I, it's just 0-4. The closest game was the, the Colts game last yeah. year, Phillip Rivers' last game. Uh, and they had a chance only because Josh Allen took a 20-yard sack that took him out of field goal range um, <laughs> to, to win the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I, I don't, I mean, it, it, they weren't close. You know, so it was nice to see the divisional round and how everything was down the wire. Some wacky stuff. I mean, you talk about the the Packers Forty ers game, yeah, and that was that was wacky. You know, the 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 Rams and Bucks game steals the show. You know, with that ending, and then all of a sudden the Bills and Chiefs game. That's one of the best games I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's exactly what you wanted to see. You know, and then you know the fact that I mean, look, you know, the Bengals they had to to knock off uh, the number one seed of Titans. Titans had a run at the end, but they couldn't overcome the fact that, you know, Tannehill threw three interceptions in a game where, I mean, you know, they sacked Joe Burrow nine, nine times. Nine times, yeah. 
Yeah, it was. It, it really was uh, uh, something, and that whole thing with the with the Forty ers beating uh, Green Bay, uh, the Packers scoring a touchdown on their opening drive, and then not doing anything for the rest of the for the game. Um, the fact that their their special teams unit was an Achilles heel all season, and that's ultimately what did them in with the block punt and the touchdown for the for the 49ers, and then, of course, ex-Bear Robbie Gold kicking the field goal to send Aaron Rodgers home. I mean, that was so sweet. You could drizzle it over pancakes, man. I just, oh, that was so good. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the other thing that, that a lot of Packer fans don't understand is why Bear fans enjoyed that victory so much. Uh, it's not because we hate the Packers. I mean, that's an ingrained thing in all of us, you know, a general hatred of Green Bay. It's because we hate Aaron Rodgers. Watching Rodgers lose and watching him fall flat on his face in the playoffs for all of his greatness. And I just saw an alert on my phone here a moment ago. He won another MVP. All, <laughs> all the good that it did him because he's watching the Super Bowl instead of playing in it. Uh, you know, for as fantastic as he is, he always finds a way not to show up in the, in the biggest possible game, um, you know, that, he's, that, that, they're, that the NFC has to offer. He's choked, what, five? He's what, one in four, one in five? In the in the NFC Championship game, so you know uh, we Bears fans uh, we 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 dislike Rodgers so deeply that it we enjoyed it. So we damn near we celebrated watching him lose that game to San Francisco. <laughs> it, it's funny because you and I are like polar opposites with Rod. I like Rodgers, um, but you know Rodgers to you is like Brady to me. Well, we um, hate Rodgers the person. I, as a football okay. fan, I love to watch Aaron Rodgers play. I absolutely do. I will admit that one hundred percent. He's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best that's ever been, regardless of the fact that he can't seem to win the biggest game. It's just that what a douchebag this guy is. And, you know, he's he's always gloating, you know, he's always kind of rubbing it in our faces and kind of thing. And nobody likes that. You know, nobody likes to have it rubbed in their face. The I own you thing and when they beat us in Soldier Field uh, earlier uh, in the year, it's like, yeah, that's how that feels, bud. Watching your season disappear yeah. right in front of you, yeah, that's what it feels oh, like I, to have your I face rubbed in it. So I get your standpoint, hundred um, percent. Now, I mean, that is such an interesting thing because you know, being a Bears fan, like you, you've seen it all, mm-hmm. and you know, you you go up against the Vikings, and you're like, oh, well, the, the Vikings got Brett Favre, and now all of a sudden, it's like, are you kidding me? He's now on the Vikings. I hated him on the Packers. <laughs> now he's on the, you know, and then. Like, you know, the Lions are like, yeah, okay, like, we appreciate you. Like, you know, Stafford, you're, you're a good player, but you, you guys aren't winning anything, so you're not really a worry to us. And then you'll go over to the Packers, and you're like, you got to be kidding me. You go from Favre to Rodgers, this, this has got to be, like, this is unreal, you yes, know? it's 30 and, years of, of this. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's like, I, I can only imagine. But uh, but I will say this, you know, if you're looking at, the, the quarterback in uh, in the NFC North that, that looks like, you know, he's set up for, for the most success. I mean, it's probably Kirk Cousins right now, but mm-hmm. Justin Fields long-term, uh, you, you know, he looks by far the best. I think Justin Fields is, is astronomically more talented than, uh, you know, Jordan Love, but that that's just me. Right. Well, I would be hard-pressed not to agree with you. So, um, <laughs> so let's talk about Sunday. We've got this yeah. this game uh, coming up. Um, how do you think the Rams are feeling about this? Because right now, one of the big themes that I've been hearing all week is that there's no pressure on Cincinnati or, or to, to win this game because they weren't supposed to be here. 
So they're playing with house money uh, going into this Super Bowl. That you know they were not expected to. You know, I mean, hell, this is a team that's that went to seven straight playoffs, didn't didn't win a single game. So winning one game is a, is an enormous victory for Cincinnati and the Bengals and you know the city of Cincinnati and whatnot. Let alone winning three and making it to the Super Bowl, beating the teams that they did uh, on the way. Now the Rams, on the other hand, like I've mentioned, they were my pick to go to the Super Bowl and play the team that since he beat. I thought it was going to be the Rams and the Chiefs uh, in the Super Bowl, and I own, that almost happened, but the Rams were expected to be here. Uh, even with their struggles in the middle of the season, this was a team that was always expected to be here, and if you put the two rosters side-by-side side on paper, there's no way the Rams should lose this game. So do you think the Rams are feeling a crunch like that, like the, there's the pressure, like they're expected to win, like, like they can't win? Because if they win, they were expected to. And if they lose, what the hell? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, the Rams, they definitely have pressure. Um, and I think it's more so because, you know, Sean McVay doesn't want to go 0-2 on the grandest stage. Uh, right. The Rams don't want to lose at home. I mean, can you imagine that? Just just imagine that for a second. They lose the Super Bowl at SoFi. Yeah. That is their home for the next. 20, 30, 40 years. So they'll never forget losing the Super Bowl. Rams fans will never forget losing the Super Bowl at their home stadium. And, and on top of that, this is so big for that that organization that does have a bunch of fans. Let me just point this out. The Rams fan base is massive. But, however, they are scattered all over the country. You know, because you, you have fans still alive from the, the Cleveland Rams days, you know, yeah. you have fans from the St. Louis Rams days. You have fans that, you know, obviously didn't live in St. Louis, but would travel, you know, maybe lived in Kansas, maybe lived in Illinois, you know, and still like the Rams. Uh, you have fans that, you know, like the Rams back in the Los Angeles days. And, you know, they have kind of moved away a little bit from the Rams, but they're starting to get reeled back in. And then you have the fans that, well, the NFL hasn't been here for 20 years. I liked Brady. I'm going to be a Bucs fan. Brady is retired. I don't know who I'm going to row for. Right. Or, you know, maybe they're a fan of Peyton Manning. They still haven't picked a team. Or, you know, something like that. And I think another thing here is the opportunity to take advantage of the fact the L.A. darling. When you think of the Los Angeles market, you think of the L.A. Lakers. Sure. And... You know, the Lakers right now, the way they're playing, as a Lakers fan, I'll tell you, that doesn't look very pretty. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you have all this star power, and it's all for naught right now. There's a chance that they don't even make the playoffs, or they're in a stupid play-in game. Imagine that. So, both teams have incredible expectations to start the season. One team is literally in the big dance, the Super Bowl, and the other team might not even make the playoffs you might get those people start to gravitate towards the Rams. Mm -hmm. And that is to say, even after the Super Bowl, all of a sudden, ooh, Rams are more intriguing. Rams offseason is more intriguing than watching the Lakers on TV. And all of a sudden, that fan base starts to grow. Yeah, This Super Bowl is massive for the history uh, of, of L.A. And, and the Rams organization, but it's massive for the future. And, and a lot of these Rams fans, you know, I'll tell you right now, a lot of my friends, who, who got into to football late, they always tell me, a lot of them told me this, I didn't have a team, 
my parents weren't into the football. They didn't raise me like yours did to be a Rams fan. So when the Rams lost to the Patriots, I just picked whoever won that Super Bowl. And that was that. Yeah. And so you had a bunch of Patriots fans come out of the woodwork because those were the young guys. Well, now you have all this, this young uh, bunch of, of fans. And a lot of them, you know, everyone watches the Super Bowl for the most part. And a lot of them are going to be watching at home. And whoever wins this game, they're going to potentially become a fan of. And so I think this is huge for a team that, you know, obviously has a lot of fans, but needs to have more of a centralized fan base. And I think this is going to help them in L.A. So there is pressure all across the board. Uh, Sean McVay doesn't want to go in two. The Rams don't want to lose in their home stadium. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's one of those things, man, you know, where there, there's just a lot. Obviously, Super Bowl, there's a lot riding on it. But also, the Rams fell from great after they lost the Super Bowl, both times. Losing it to the Patriots, uh, both times, they fell off. And that's a thing. The Super Bowl is meant to immortalize one team and kill the other. Right. They make it really hard to get back. The yeah. Rams missed the playoffs outright the next season. So I think, to me, that in general adds so much pressure. And it's why I don't look at the Bengals necessarily playing with house money because they were the one seed, you know, down the stretch of the end of the season. I mean, they, they lost it. Yeah. But they, they really started to, to get this momentum going and they lost a couple games. Um, but they've been as hot as anybody. I mean, you know, the Rams and, and Bengals have actually been the hottest teams going back to really week 17. They both lost week 18. They haven't lost since. So right. these are the two hottest teams. And, you know, I think they're, they're both, uh, they both have a lot of pressure on them. I think Burrow has a lot of pressure knowing that, hey, you know, this team hasn't, you know, been in this game in years. And this is my chance to, in my second year, do this. And I've already seen Patrick Mahomes do this. Now I got to accomplish this. We knocked them off. There's no reason why we can't be there. And, you know, Zach Taylor, I, I can't lose to Sean. I love Sean, but I got to prove I'm the better. I, I can't live in his shadow, you know. So I think there's a, there's a lot of pressure here. That's just the way the Super Bowl is. I agree. Um, I, I do think there's a lot of uh, pressure to go around, but it's like, this is what everybody's been talking about. It's like the Bengals, the Bengals are that team that's happy to be here kind of thing, as opposed to the Rams who were expected uh, to be here. And that's why, you know, that, I think that's why that conversation uh, is taking place preseason as you know, you and I talked about at the, the beginning here was nobody was saying since he's going to the Super Bowl, Cincinnati might win seven or eight games this year, take a big leap, you know, with a healthy Joe Burrow, he's got Jamar Chase and all that kind of stuff. You'll see some improvement from Cincinnati, but will you see a division title and a Super Bowl run? No way. But here they are. And that's why, you know, I think that conversation is is uh, is taking place. And, you know, also pressure on Matt Stafford. This is what he couldn't do in Detroit was, A, win a playoff game, let alone make a playoff run and end up in the Super Bowl. And here he is, his first season outside of Detroit. He makes it to the game that's eluded him his entire career. And, um, you know, like which is kind of why I'm torn on who to root for on Sunday. Because, you know, obviously with the Bears out of things, I'm just, you know, I'm just a football fan watching this all take place. And the teams that I was rooting for were the Bengals, because I love an underdog, and the Rams because that was my pick and I've had a feeling about them. And 
it's very rare that when you know in this in one of these bearless postseasons that the teams that I like going in make it all the that both teams make it all the way to the Super Bowl, and it happened this year. Both teams that I was kind of pulling for in each conference made it to the to the Super Bowl, and both of them have a great story that you want to see a happy ending to. You know, one of them's going to walk away unhappy, and I don't know who it is that I do I want to root for. Do I want to root for these underdog Bengals, their first Super Bowl appearance in 33 years, this this young rookie, or not rookie, but, you know, this young hot uh, quarterback and, you know, leading the charge and making this crazy run, or do I root for the guy that's been playing on these terrible teams not worthy of him and his talent? He gets traded to L.A. He's automatically on the best team he's ever played on, and he makes it to the Super Bowl. Do I want to see him win it? Do I want to see the Cinderella team, if you will, uh, come away with this thing? I just hope that the game is as good as the postseason's been because I just think that's would be appropriate in this instance. You know, I think we deserve a, a good game in this one because we didn't get it last time. You know, yeah. that that was a less than stellar Super Bowl. Oh, um, man. Yeah, and it was. You get those every now and then, right? Every now and you know, then, yeah. You, you get, yeah, you get a really awesome, I mean, one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. You know, honestly, the, the defensive-minded people will hate me for saying this, but and I like defense, but, I mean, come on, the Eagles-Patriots uh, game, I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. You know, it was constant fireworks, and that's really what you want to see a Super Bowl be, but um, then you get, you know, the, the Peyton Manning, you know, the blowout that the Seahawks put on it. You know, you, you get, uh, you know, years ago, uh, you know, Tampa in, in Oakland, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, Tampa wins by like 20. Um, so you, you do get those blowouts every now and then, but it doesn't seem to happen back to back. And I don't think this one's going to be a blowout. I think the Rams are going to win this game 30 to 27. I think that, that works. it's going to be a close, yeah, it's going to be a close game. Um, you know, I, I think it'll probably be a 30 to 20 ball game and, you know, probably have about a, a minute, you know, 30 left on the clock for Joe Burrow to go down the field and, and score a touchdown and, and maybe give them an onside kick to kind of make things really exciting down the stretch. But uh, that's kind of how I see it. I think the Rams will control the clock. I think the Rams will control the game. Um, you know, I, I think that they are the better team, and I just don't I, I don't see them losing the rest of the year. That, that's, I said that as soon as they lost to the Niners, I said that was that they needed to lose that game in a weird way. You, 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 you know, learn more in your losses than you do in your wins. And, right. Uh, felt like just getting that last loss out of the way and, and you know being able to realize okay whatever Niners we'll, we'll see you in the playoffs and, and being able to beat that team they got that monkey off their back now Sean McVay's got to get that Super Bowl monkey off his back and scoring only three points in the Super Bowl and you know you know people if, if the Rams have if it's zero zero again and you know at the end of the second you know going into halftime or something like that or three nothing people are going to be giving him you know crap so He's yeah. heard it, I'm sure. Um, wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a lot of points in this one. I would be surprised if this is a low-scoring game. Because with that said, you know, both these defenses can make plays, but the Bengals' defense by no stretch is a dominant shutdown defense that's going to hold you 10 points. Right. You know, they're, they're a defense that is going to uh, pressure you into making mistakes, and they have these corners and these safeties uh, like Von Bell, like Jesse uh, Bates, you know, uh, like Shadobia Wuzier and, and Eli Apple and, and Mike Hilton that can, you know, make those big-time plays and, and, you know, get that interception. We saw it against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, come down with that that big turnover. They can do that. 
uh, whereas the Rams can also do that. They're, they're one of the, the best teams in the league this year uh, in, you know, forcing turnovers. I mean, they had plenty of interceptions this season. So I think both teams can do that. Um, but I don't think either team is going to shut down the other team to the point where it's just a dominated performance. And it, if it does happen, I think it's going to be the Rams because I do think they have, you know, obviously the talent to do that. Mm-hmm. And they've already shown that they can do that in this postseason. Um, whereas the Bengals have kind of keep teams, they've, they've kept teams in it. The Rams have at least one blowout in this uh, playoff. But, you know, I, I feel to me, you know, looking at this game, I think it's going to be a 30 to 27 ball game. And if you're looking at rooting interest, look, I, I don't have any issue with people rooting for the Bengals because to be honest with you, like, it's, you know, it sucks, obviously. Like, it would be cool if the Rams were going against a, you know, a player that maybe everyone didn't like and, you know, the whole country was rooting for the Rams. But, I mean, we got that the last time when they were playing the, the Patriots. Yeah. Um, unless we were weird and, and rooted for Tom Brady for some reason. Um, you know, and, and weren't a Patriots fan. But we already got that, and that didn't end very well. So I, I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm fine with um, not being the underdog necessarily, but, you know, being the, the, the villain, so to speak. Um, you know, I think both teams have plenty of, of storylines. You know, I think there's a lot, you know, there with the Bengals, but there's so many with the Rams. You know, you could go down the line. Stafford, you know, Cam Akers coming back from injury. Um, you know, you could go to the wide receiver room. Cooper Cup, last time they were in the Super Bowl, he had the torn ACL and was unable to play. You know, you could uh, you could look at the, the left tackle who just won uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, Andrew Whitworth. Um, you know, he, he has a chance to, I mean, that's a storybook ending for the ages, has a chance to retire on top in every meaning of the word. Right. Winning is the most illustrious award. To me, it doesn't matter about the MVP. When you're talking about the man of the year, that is that is super, super prestigious. And it is hard to win that thing. Yeah. So Whitworth winning that and then winning a Super Bowl and then retiring after beating the team that drafted him. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty drawn up there. You know, obviously we've, we've seen storybook endings for, for some players and others uh, didn't quite get those. But, you know, I think this is, you know, that's definitely a, uh, a little bit of a, um, you know, storyline there. And then, you know, Donald getting his, you know, ring after last year. You could take a snapshot of the Rams' uh, 2020 season and it would probably be Aaron Donald crying on the sidelines as they lost to the Packers because that was really, that was a big reason why they lost that game. Donald was unable to really play and, and contribute due to his injury. Uh, he suffered in the, the previous game and, um, you know, they were defeated, you know, and, and that was, that was the thing. So for him to come back after that, that, that moment, um, you know, and, and win a Super Bowl, that would be massive. He also lost one, you know, in general. So that's another thing. Everyone was talking about how the Patriots completely, shut down the best player in the league and they were questioning how dominant he was. Then you have Vaughn Miller, you know, the, the, the storyline there, you know, potentially maybe another Super Bowl MVP, uh, maybe another ring winning with two different teams, you know, somebody that really wanted to stay with Denver was really hurt when they traded him, but, you know, really made a, made it his home uh, going to LA. Then you have, you know, Odell, obviously with all the, the locker room cancer talk, um, you know, just, there's so many storylines. Jalen Ramsey being the, the best defensive player, you know, in the league, defensive back in the league and being able to play, uh, you know, in a Super Bowl. But, you know, nothing is more different than Eric Weddle to me, you know, coming off his couch six weeks ago. Yeah. And 
not only playing in the Super Bowl and potentially winning it, but also starting and wearing the green dot. So he he's calling the defense, and this guy wasn't even on the team six weeks ago. Right, uh, was following them as a fan, and you know he was a mentor because uh, he went to Utah. Uh, he was a mentor to Terrell Burgess, but he he wasn't necessarily you know in the know the way you know you, you wouldn't have been able to call a defense like this it's incredible so you know that uh johnny hecker taking a pay cut to stay with his team uh, after they almost traded him away um the packers ended up getting that punter uh who really had a chance to beat him out in the offseason and then uh sean mcveigh the zero and two story you have uh how about kevin o'connell win a Super Bowl, and then you go right over to the Vikings and you try to do it again with a different team. Yeah. A completely different team. And uh, Raheem Morris, man. You know, this guy got so much trash thrown his way all year long. People constantly calling for his head. I said, give it time. It's going to work out. Now here he is. He's tightened up this defense. They look really good. I mean, we'll see, you know, with the Super Bowl. Obviously, things can happen. But, um, you know, if they were to win that, Raheem Morris should be a head coach. He was, he was passed up on. He would be really cool to see his defense have a, a stellar performance and him to win a Super Bowl after being passed up on for head coach. Yeah, there's definitely plenty to talk about. You wonder how it is that they uh, that these networks can put together a six-game or six-hour pregame show. I was like, well, after what you just ran down, it's a wonder how they could squeeze it all into six hours, uh, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> It's because there there are so many ways to look at it, like the Andrew Whitworth thing. If I ever get a chance to meet that guy, I want to apologize to him because I swear to God, I thought that you know when he was what thirty six when he joined the team or something like that after uh, you know a decade and a half in in uh, in in Cincinnati, I thought for sure him coming to Los Angeles after going you know whatever it was the record was four and twelve uh, in twenty sixteen. I thought for sure this was a cash grab. This was just my last chance to get paid before I retired. And not only, you know, is he here to help the team win, he's, he's you know, he's contributing uh, and everything. He's still playing well despite being a 40-year-old left tackle uh, uh, and everything. He's still out there uh, doing it. So I was completely wrong about what he was doing in Los Angeles uh, in the first place. And here he is in a position to – win a Super Bowl and like you have one of the storybook endings of a career. Uh, not only does he win the Super Bowl, but the same week in week that he wins the Walter Payton man of the year award and beats the team that drafted him uh, in order to do it. I mean, w- that talk about a way to go full circle, you know, and um, that would be amazing oh, yeah. for him if that happened. So it just, uh, there are plenty of storylines to, to look at going in here and we're not even talking about the Cincinnati side of things. So, exactly. I mean, it's crazy. So well, yeah. I mean, you know, Cincinnati. You, you got Burrow. You know, you, you got Jamar Chase. Obviously, you know, he won a title with Burrow, and then the first year he goes to the NFL, he doesn't know anything other than winning. I mean, you know, it's just yeah. like, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. Super Bowl. Um, and he played a huge role in getting them there. You know, then you look at Tyler Boyd. You know, this is somebody that is a two-time thousand-yard receiver. He's taken a back seat, but it, it's it's worked out for the team. You don't see any complaints. You don't see, I'm going to make another Deshaun Jackson jab, but you don't see another, uh, oh, well, I'm not getting the target. So despite the fact that, you know, we're, we're a good team, uh, I'm going to, you know, ask for a trade. You know, he bought into it. You know, how about yeah. Trey Hendrickson? Oh, well, he's, he's overpaid. Yeah, so much for overpaid, right? Right. Um, 
So, you know, you see guys like that, Von Bell, um, Eli Apple, you know, all the, all the stuff that, uh, <laughs> he, he got into a huge like war over, uh, New Orleans, like he he said that like New Orleans is like trashy or something, and has the whole you know freaking is the whole freaking city against him. But um, you know, it, it's definitely there. There's so many, you know, and I think that's that's the thing. Jesse Bates is somebody here that I believe is the best safety in the league, and does not get enough credit. So for him to be able to take this this mantle, you know, get into the spotlight and and really showcase that number 30 jersey and let people know, hey, this guy's legit. Uh, that I, you know, I'm happy for him in that regard. Uh, Logan Wilson, you know, went to Wyoming. All anybody associates Wyoming for is Josh Allen, but Logan Wilson is a damn good football player. He has been all year. Uh, DJ Reader's one of the best nose tackles in football. He has been going back to Houston. He has a chance to make a name for himself. BJ Hill, good defensive lineman, going back to the Giants. Whatever reason they let him go. He's filling in for Larry Ogunjobi, so that's something there. You know, they they just they have uh, they have a lot of storylines too, and they have yeah. a rookie kicker. So if if they were to win by a field goal, man, that rookie kicker is going to get mobbed. I mean, I, I don't I don't know I, I don't know how you know McPherson's going to be able to move. Yeah. It's going to be a dog pile, and he he's not going to be able to celebrate much of anything. Right. Well, I mean, he puts the Titans to bed uh, in Tennessee. He does the same thing to Kansas City the week after. If they got to rely on him to to beat the Rams, I mean. You know, he might as well be Super Bowl MVP. You know, just just because he was the MVP of the postseason uh, for those guys. I mean, it's just crazy what he's what he's done in this rookie year, um, and for him to kind of have the ice water in his veins. I remember, you know, they were saying that um, before he made that kick against the Titans, just before he walked away from the sideline, he was like, "Look, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game," and then trots out onto the field to kick the game winning field goal. It's like the balls in this kid. You believe this? You know, like for him to say something like that is like athletes are superstitious, man. What's wrong with you? You can't say that. You can't say stuff like that out loud, you know, and then he goes out there and he delivers. It's like, well, I guess that's his thing. Good for him, you know. But, uh, you know, like I said, there is plenty to go around. It, it is one of the more intriguing Super Bowl matchups that we could have gotten um, out of this out of this postseason. There's no Rodgers. There's no Brady, uh, no no Mahomes or, or anything like that. You still have two very well-regarded quarterbacks but they don't have the you know well I mean Burrow eventually will I think especially if they do win the game but the the star power that you would have had where it's two weeks of Aaron Rodgers in a Super Bowl it's two weeks of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl it's two weeks of Mahomes in a Super Bowl you would have just been sick of the Super Bowl prep God forbid of both of those guys and like it's Brady versus Mahomes too. They're you know the rematch and blah blah blah. Would what kind of hell would our lives have been to have to listen to that for two weeks? You know, and it's just thank God. And then there's people saying we got robbed of that. Like, do you do you want any sort of parody? Like, do do you just do you just watch soap operas? Do do you not like other things? Like, do do you just like things over and over again repeating? I mean. I always laughed at that. Like, yeah, I mean that's in, in what way is the Rams Bengals Super Bowl bad? Like, I mean, it, it's exactly what we deserve. It, it's parody. It's something new. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm all for. I mean, I, I've mentioned this a thousand yeah. times uh, over the years. Was was the was the fact that and not only because the Bears are in the NFC, but I've always been an NFC guy because you very rarely repeat champions in the NFC. It doesn't happen very often. Seattle is the most recent team to do it, and it was 2013-2014. Before that, 
You know, like go back to 2000 and the NFC has sent, I think the Rams make 15 different teams that the NFC has sent to the Super Bowl. And with, you know, with the, with the Chiefs kind of snapping into it and everything from 2000 to like 2019, so the first 20 years of this new century, they sent like literally like five or six. It was like the Colts, the, 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 Colts, the Broncos, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Ravens. And then you have Oakland kind of sitting in there. That was number six. But it's like those six teams covered 19 Super Bowls. Whereas on the NFC side, you had at least 14 teams that it had, you know, the Bears were in there, the Giants were in there twice, the, the Eagles were in there a couple times. But it's just like there was always somebody new and, and almost never going back to back. It was always somebody new coming out of the NFC. That's where the true parity was, the AFC being the top-heavy uh, conference, always basically sending one of three guys to the Super Bowl every single year. So um, I'm all for the all for the parody, all for the AFC shaking things up. I mean, even though it looks like we're now destined for a decade of, is it going to be Burrow, Allen, or Mahomes in the Super Bowl? At least, you know, at least it's not the same, you know, Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning over and over again going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's time to change things up a little bit. Yeah, so. you know, parody's good. I mean, obviously, being a, a Rams fan, somebody that covers the Rams, um, I, I'm not going to be hoping for parody in the NFC. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping this is, this is a, a thing we keep seeing. But, you know, regardless if it is or if it isn't, you know, parody is good for the sport. And I think that was the biggest issue, uh, you know, with other sports. Like you, you say, you know, all oh, the, the World Series. I mean, how many times have you seen the Texas Rangers in there lose? I don't need to see it again, you know, or. Or, you know, then, then all of a sudden the LA Dodgers come in and they're like, all right, now it's our time to lose three times. But then they actually finally won, you know, and then, you know, you look at the NBA and it was always at one point, you know, with, with, you know, Kobe and, and, and that team and, and, you know, obviously, uh, Kevin Garnett and, and Paul Pierce and Rondo and, and Ray Allen, it felt like it was going to be Lakers Celtics every year, you know, even as a Lakers fan, that can be a little old. So, um, parody's good. You know, parody is definitely good. Um, you know, it, the, like for instance, the the Colts Bears Super Bowl was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it, obviously it didn't didn't go the way you wanted, but uh, you know, it, it definitely uh, that that's a cool Super Bowl. The the Raiders uh, Buccaneers back in the day, Rams yeah. Titans was kind of cool. Um, you know, there, there's just the, I I like those different matchups. Me too. You know, I, I'm I like seeing ones where it's all. Oh, it's Brady versus whoever. And the whole country's rooting against Brady unless you're weird. You know, right. it's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the best way to really explain it. I mean, like Steelers Packers are it's two iconic franchises. That's not really parody, you know, yeah. but like, I don't know, like Cardinals going up against the Steelers that I can get down with because I was like, okay, that's, that's new. Um, you know, just, just, you like to see new logos. You like to see new teams in this moment. And, even though the Rams, like I said, they've been to the Super Bowl now uh, twice in the last four years, they don't feel like a team that just like lives in the Super Bowl right. because they don't. So, you know, it, it's still, it, it's kind of, it, it may be fresh for some people, but I, I mean, it doesn't feel like it was, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it doesn't also feel like it was that, that short of time the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl. So I, I'm glad. Um, I thought it would be Rams Chargers coming in the season. And, uh, you know, little do we know Brandon Staley's defense uh, that went from, you know, number one in the league with the Rams, uh, they gave up the 31st most, uh, the second most points, 31st in the league 
in, in points allowed. Wow. Um, you know, I don't think anybody could have expected that, especially when you look at really the drop off wasn't that enormous. You just didn't have Donald and, and Ramsey, but you, you had Derwin James to kind of replace that Ramsey role. And it was a little shocking, but yeah, the, the Bengals and, um, you know, even to a degree, I mean, like the Ravens, I guess, when, when they were in it, that, that kind of felt different. Um, well, you the, know, AFC the, was, have, the AFC was know. wide open all year. The AFC was yeah, wide open because well, everybody kept taking turns being the number one seed, and then it kind of got kind of you know ugly for me at the end because it felt like, okay, here comes Kansas City, so I guess they just had an early season funk, but they're going to come back and you know kind of blow their way through like they have the last couple years and uh, and everything. And then obviously the playoffs happened, and you know obviously our fears were you know, put to put aside because the Bengals put them down in the AFC uh, title game. But it's, it's, it was, it's been a crazy conference all year long where team, I mean, the Patriots were the number one seed for, for a week or two. And then there were the Ravens. They were the one seed. Like you mentioned earlier, the Bengals were the one seed. And then in the end, it's the Titans who ended up being uh, the one seed and, and got the one bye week in, in that conference. And it, it's been, it's been crazy like that in that conference all year long and I think it's fitting that we got the postseason that we did, considering how that conference looked all year long. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, you know, and I agree with you, um, it, it was kind of a, a fun ride, you know. I mean, it, it really never felt like, you know, there was like 11, 12 teams that can make the playoffs yeah. and you know, five to seven teams that could get the one seed. I mean, no team really felt out of it until the very end. Um, which is kind of weird because it seemed like overnight, you know, all, oh, all of a sudden, you know, Dolphins have won seven straight. And then, you know, all of a sudden now they're out of the playoffs. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, um, it, it was that type of year. And, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, the Patriots, I don't know what happened, but they came out on their bye, just not the same team. And I mean, it's, it's kind of weird because they, they had a really, they had the latest bye, an unprecedented bye. I think it was like week 15. You know, and, and it was something just, crazy like thirteen or fourteen. I think it was. I think it was yeah, fourteen. So yeah, like, I think yeah, I think it was fourteen because they had their week eighteen this year. Um, so you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, unprecedented bye week comes around, and you're like, all right, well, you know, the, the Patriots maybe they were just in such a rhythm they weren't ready to go into the bye. They really turned it around, and um, you know, to see them kind of fall off like that was really interesting. Uh, as well as the Colts. I think the Colts' fall from grace was almost as depressing as it gets, mm-hmm. unless you were a Raiders or a Chargers or Steelers fan, because like the Colts really felt like a team that could, you know, kind of you know clear the, the the way, you know, for for a team. Like I felt like they were a team that could knock off the Chiefs and they could knock off really anybody. And to see them not even make the playoffs is like, wow. You know, it just it felt weird. Um, yeah. They got off to such a bad start to start the year that that's why. But I mean, it definitely felt weird. You know, so it was like a lot of these teams just constantly going back and forth. Then you have the Steelers, who, I mean, you couldn't make up your they couldn't make up their mind if they were a good team or not. And, yeah. You know, they they would come back and, and win games. They would lose games they should win. They had that tie against the, the sudden, Lions. Yeah, the the tie against the Lions, and all of a sudden now we're like, wait a minute. The, even though they have the tie, which looks absolutely hideous yes. on paper. I watched that game uh, start to finish, man. That game was a goddamn nightmare. 
it was it was bad. And and the Lions probably should have won. Yes, if I'm not they mistaken. Have. If they the had ball, a kicker, but... they would have won because they yeah. they had some guy they literally pulled off the street. He was on the practice squad uh, and whatnot. I think he was more of a punter than a kicker, and he missed an extra point, and he shanked, he got a field, or it looked like the field goal got blocked, but he just really kicked the piss out of it and, you know, kind of helicoptered its way uh, down the field and wasn't <laughs> even close. I mean, it was, if they had a kicker, they win the game because they would have made an extra point where they win 17-16 to 16, uh, in regulation as opposed to uh, going 16-16 to 16, uh, into overtime and eventually into being uh, a tie. But it was really one of those games where it's like, Neither one of those teams wants to win this game because they can't stop screwing up at the most key moment. The, the, the Steelers were in field goal range. Dude fumbles the ball in, in the Lions, uh, and that was the last drive just before overtime. The Lions couldn't score a, after recovering that fumble. It, well, like I said, it was just an absolute, just utter disaster of a football game. So, but it yeah, was like I that. that. Yeah. That was a weird one. Yeah, but it was like that across the AFC, and that's why you kind of worried or wondered about this conference because even the one seeds all had this loss that you could not explain. Like how did the Titans lose to the Texans at home? How did the Bengals lose to the Jets? And and, then games like that, it's like, you know, like we're, you know, we're talking about the Rams and their losses. Like these are all to good football teams. The only concern is that these are the teams they're going to run into in the postseason. And you, you know, this is what happens with the other teams. It's like, hey, they're playing well against solid competition, but then they put together a real stinker against a team that has no business on the field uh, with them. And that's something that comes back to bite you in the postseason is that you've got that one performance where this team that doesn't have the, the talent level of yours can go out there and beat you. And that's the tape your opponent's going to look at to figure out what they did to beat you. And that's what ends up coming back to, to hurt you. Uh, kind of thing. So, like, that's why the AFC was such a wild race uh, from start to finish this year. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I mean, it, it really it was just a, another level of, of competition. You're hoping every every year's going to be like that, you know? I mean, we'll, we'll see, but... Yeah. No, I like I said, I, I definitely agree. And I, I think, you know, moving forward, uh, teams can definitely learn. You know, I, I don't think the NFL is going to get rid of the seven seed, like I mentioned earlier. No, unfortunately, uh, and unfortunately not. So I, it'll open the door, and, and maybe these teams will feel, you know, stay competing and um, not, you know, play for for tanking. Because let's be real here, there's not anybody worth tanking for in this draft. Not not one right. person. I, I I would say there's some two good. You know, two really good pass rushers that have a chance to be special, um, in uh, in Thibodeau and Hutchinson. But I, I, you know, I like some of the quarterbacks, but I like them as like long term, you know, developmental guys. You know, with more upside than just a camp arm. Like talking about a Desmond Ritter or you know Malik Willis or, or somebody like that, or Carson Strong. But like, I'm not looking at any of these guys as like a Justin Fields. I'm not looking at any of these guys as like a Trey Lance. So, you know, I, I really feel like there's no need to tank at this point in the game until, you know, maybe next year there would be. But, you know, th- there was no need to tank this year. Right. So let's wrap things up here. What's it, uh, it going to take for the Bengals to win this game? What, what should they – what would they need to do in order to come away with the win? What worries you about this matchup? 
Well, uh, you know, if I was to be worried about anything, it's Darius Williams, number 11, the cornerback for the Rams. I know it's crazy. Where's number 11? Weird, weird number rule. But, um, you know, this is, uh, this is somebody that at one point or another you were looking at is the Rams should 100% A, bring back, you know, extend. And, I mean, he's been dealing with some injuries this year. And lately, it's, it's again, what have you done for me lately? And he just has really struggled. You know, you, you look at, you know, obviously the Cardinals game, whatever, uh, they, they win that game blown out fashion. It's not a big deal. But Tampa, it got bad to the point where Jalen Ramsey said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the guy. You know, you, you can't do this. Uh, Jalen switched up his assignment because of it. And then once again, you know, against the 49ers, he just really struggled. So there is definitely some concern with Darius Williams. I hate to rag on the guy. I've just been on so many shows, and I'm not going to lie. That is my only concern about this team uh-huh. is Darius Williams. It's weird, right? It's weird because, you know, it's a starting cornerback who has experience playing well in the pre- in, in the postseason before. Um, you know, he had the pick six against Russell Wilson last year in the wild card game. But, you know, I just can't help but think th- this guy, he could have a really good game, and, and I hope he does. But, um I feel like the Rams are, are really ready to get things going, but if he is lackadaisical in his approach of defending Chase or or Higgins or even uh, Boyd, you know, it could it could be a little worrisome. I'm I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, it's you know, I I I would definitely agree with that, and I think that what concerns me in in for Cincinnati is the I mean, giving up those nine sacks against the Titans, and they don't have the talent up front that the Rams do. So, I mean, they don't have Aaron Donald that is absolutely going to decimate the middle of that offensive line, and that's where the problem areas have been for Cincinnati. It, it, it isn't so much the guards. It's like they're not so much regretting that they didn't take Penny Sewell in the first round. They're probably regretting that they didn't take some kind of guard later on in the draft. I mean, I think they did draft one in the second round, but, uh, you know, he wasn't, he's not playing right now. Or maybe he got hurt one of the two. But the problem area for Cincinnati is in the middle, and that's where that beast resides. So I think it could be a very long day for Cincinnati if they don't game plan a way to slow him down. You know, as as um, uh, Keith Oberman on SportsCenter used to say, you can't you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And they can yeah. you know look to contain Donald more so than stopping him because ultimately there's really is no stopping Aaron Donald. And for a guy that after he made the play he did against San Francisco kind of walks off pointing at his finger, you know where his head is at going into this game. So he's going to do oh, yeah. whatever he needs to to make that come true. So, um, you oh, know, he's uh, motivated like no other coming into the biggest game of his career. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. is When you already have a taste of how close you can get, I mean, I don't think at any point that defense thought they were going to lose that game in 2018 against the Patriots. They yeah. did their job. You only give up 13 points in the Super Bowl. You should probably win every Super Bowl. Yeah, they're normally not that that low scoring. So you know the defense did their job, but uh, this is a different animal. You know, and and Donald has come out in support of Matthew Stafford, saying, "I'm so happy we got you." Mm-hmm. You know, I, to me, this is it's just different, and so I think they obviously have to play the game, but I mean, at the end of the day. You know, they all want it. I think they, they have a, you know, the mindset is there. You know, there, there's nothing to look at, um, look ahead towards. And to be honest with you, 
if they were to look ahead, it would have been to that, that 49ers game. If, that, if there was ever any doubt of them looking ahead, they would have lost that Tampa Bay game looking ahead of the 49ers game. They didn't do that. So, like I said, I think they win 30-27. I think it's going to be a fun game. Um, and I think the Rams will control it. You know, again, I think the Bengals will make it a little bit interesting down the wire, but I think the Rams are the better team. And I mean, they were this year anyway, you know, the 12 and five record to 10 and seven. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I really do feel like as long as the Rams play their, their solid game, they'll win comfortably. And even if they don't, they've shown that they can win, you know, in, you know, uncomfortable situations, having to, you know, win 20 to 19 on the road in, in cold Baltimore or the, you know, Stafford throwing three interceptions and still winning or, needing a punt return touchdown. It just seems like they've been able to win in all three phases. And I think a big underrated proponent of that has been the Rams all of a sudden unlocking this, this potential uh, that you just we haven't seen uh, since, you know, Coach Bones Fossil left the Rams. Uh, and that is, you know, on special teams. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, it, it has been really fun to watch. They now have a returner. Uh, who wasn't able to really do much of anything against the 49ers. We'll see if he can do anything in this game. But there's there's a lot to like about what they have. and um, They have so many different avenues to win on, on offense, defense, and special teams. All right. Well, we look forward to it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, you know, with the way the postseason has gone, I think we're, we're in for a hell of a ride on Super Bowl uh, Sunday. Um, I will go out on record as saying I'm not as excited about the halftime show that everybody else seems to be over the moon uh, about, and it's got nothing to do with who's performing because I love every single one of those performers. It's just that I feel like those performers are going to be handcuffed because the songs can't go the way they go for real. You know what I mean? You're not going to get Dre and Snoop and Eminem going out going out on the limb with what they say on the record. They've got to. They've got to clean that yeah. up for the families and everything, and I think that's going to take a little bit of the specialness and, and the way that I remember it away from us on a performance. I, I don't want to see this handcuffed uh, performance that they're going to put together uh, on Sunday. I'm not exactly looking forward to that. but uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people I, I just never really – like the halftime show, I just think it's kind of overblown. Yeah. Uh, the audio never sounds good. They never figure that out, and – uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, yeah, obviously the performers are very talented, but I almost wish they would just stick with like, they could have just had Eminem, you know, because it's like to me having all of those performers, it just takes away from the time. You only have a limited amount of time. So yeah. I wish they would just stick with one, but I mean, personally, I, I probably wouldn't love a halftime show unless it was like the Foo Fighters for me, because if it was just the Foo Fighters playing for 30 minutes, I could really get down with that. Well, but, for me, it's you know, for me, it's, it's Kiss. They're tailor made for the yeah. Super Bowl. You know, you know, and that's the thing. Like they would play probably by themselves, and then maybe have somebody come in for a song. Yeah, but I just feel like it gets too out of whack when you have all of those performers, and I just personally don't like it. But that's that's just me. I don't know. I'm 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 glad. Like Eminem to me is very likable. Um, you know, Kendrick Lamar is very likable. Uh, Dr. Dre, like, I, I don't really listen to rap as much as everyone else, but, um, you know, I, I respect Dr. Dre and, and, and Snoop, but, 
Um, you know, Mary J. Blige, I believe she's also in it as well. So, you know, just very talented, but I would love to definitely at some point see like a Foo Fighters, uh, you know, halftime show. I know the Who played and I, I wasn't, you know, I guess I wasn't old enough to respect that at the time. And <laughs> then again, I went back and watched it. I don't think it was that great of a performance, yeah, but me either. You, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. kind of like, yeah, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. Like, I, I mean, personally, I think the weekend is incredibly talented. Bruno Mars, incredibly talented, but they try to do too much. I, I just feel like just, I, I like a performance and, and that's it. But I'll, I'll watch for sure. I just, it's not something that I'm like, it, it doesn't even really, I'll, I'll say this. It hasn't really crossed my mind until you mentioned it. <laughs> right. Right. So. I mean, it's just that I know that everyone's kind of going, you know, crazy over it because of who's uh, performing and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, like the weekend last year and, uh, you know, Katy Perry a couple years ago and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. These, you know, these pop stars or whatever, they've kind of gone off the beaten path with, with a handful of rappers and, and, and everything. You don't see this uh, very often. I think that's why people are excited about it, but I'm not because I don't think that the songs are going to go the way they remember them. They're going to, you know, they're going to mute them or they're going to put a, a word that doesn't belong in there in there to replace that word that everybody knows belongs there uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not looking forward uh, to that. So, yeah, no, and that's, that's a good point. I, I agree. I'm, I'm more looking forward to the coin toss. Rams are 10 and 0 when they win the coin toss. <laughs> you put a prop <laughs> bit on that. I see you put up your, yeah, I, your parlays I on Twitter to. and everything. <laughs> I had to for the game day. Yeah. <laughs> they asked me who was going to win the coin toss and, and what it was going to be. I'm like, well, tails never fails. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to go with tail. Nice. <laughs> All right, Jake. Thanks so much uh, for your time, man. We appreciate you uh, joining us, and uh, we'll see about getting Absolutely. you back on uh, real soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you. As always, want to thank my guest, Jake Ellenbogen from the Downtown Rams podcast for uh, coming on to the show to help us uh, preview the, the Rams and, and talk about this, uh, this game um, on Sunday. Uh, be sure to come back tomorrow. We're going to do a deep dive uh, preview. We're going to dig in uh, to both of these teams with keys to the game and, and things like that for, for both of these squads. Really look into what it's going to take for both of these teams to win this game uh, on Sunday. And, and while on paper the Rams are, are I think, the clear favorite here, uh, I do wonder how this game is going to go because um, one thing you guys didn't get here, uh, Kyle, say because we lost the interview uh, last night about the, Ram, uh, the, about the Bengals was don't bet against Joe Burrow. And after watching him go to work in this, this postseason, I think that's a bad bet to bet against, uh, bet against Joe Burrow. He's going to show up. On Sunday, I mean, he took nine sacks against the Titans and came back and beat them on their own field. I mean, that's that's uh, that's ice water in the veins, you know, personified uh, right there. So it's it should be a very good game on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. Be sure to come back tomorrow for the deep dive. We'll uh, talk about everything we can. We'll throw in some Bears news as well because we got a few more uh, assistant coaches, four by my count, actually. Uh, from the uh, show that I put out on, on Monday, we've added four more um, assistant coaches. We got a safeties coach now, a tight end coach, 
uh, running backs, which is a position I totally forgot. I forgot that that we hadn't hired one of those. We got running backs, tight ends, um, safeties, and um, special teams. No, 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 not special teams. Defensive line. That was the other one. The defensive line, and then the uh, the safeties. The so two defense, two offense have been added uh, to the staff. We'll talk about those and all other news and notes to get into this ball game to get you ready for the game uh, on Sunday. So come on back tomorrow for the deep dive to get you ready for Super Bowl 56. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.